0: You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast Podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page. And thank you for your support.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky.
0: Hello and welcome, listeners, to episode 15 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Hardwick, joined back by my brother and co-host, Robert. Hey. And we are back in the Your Name Here studios. So welcome back. Uh, We're looking forward to episode 15. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Um, And for episode 15, we're going to be optimistic. Optimism is the name of the game today. And we're going to be looking forward to the 2020 season. We're hoping and praying that we do have NFL coming up. Um and college football, yep. but we're we're looking forward to the twenty twenty season. And really, I think that's where we should start. I think we've been seeing things in the news, Robert. What do you think? Are we going to have a twenty twenty NFL season?
1: Uh, I'm trying to be optimistic, as you say. They talked about a proposal that maybe they don't play preseason games, maybe try to isolate teams a little bit, kind of like the NBA is doing right now. Sure. But there's so much money and revenue lost if they don't play the season that I think you're going to see some sort of shortened season.
0: Okay, so yeah, let's say we take preseason out of the question because how I see it working is we won't have any preseason. And you and I talked beforehand about how that really hurts your undrafted free agents, your your late drafted guys who are trying to make roster spots. And that's some of the you know most exciting parts about the NFL to us is seeing these guys make it who didn't get drafted.
1: Yeah. And you're going to see late round guys that get cut and never have an opportunity to show what they have. Um, it's going to be interesting. There's been things around that the NFL has reserved hotels in Tampa for the Super Bowl, sure. extended four weeks after when it's planned. And so there's just interesting things taking place right now. I mean, nobody's sure what's going to happen, but we're really hoping that Football kicks off September. One thing I
0: saw, um, I followed the, the Eagles page, of course, and I saw that Lincoln Financial Field was starting to cancel all their events. Yeah. So I got a little worried there that they're canceling games. I think – you're, and, and then the article I saw today is that um, any fans at stadiums will be required to wear masks. I just think what you're going to see is no preseason and probably no fans for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, and I'll agree with the no fans. And as sports fans, I'll do whatever it takes yeah. to be able to watch it. And if you've watched any of the MMA stuff, I mean, you're able to hear what's going yeah, on. Soccer's so, been doing well with it. Yep. So, if you mic these players on the field, you're going to hear some things that yep. you might want to hide your kids yeah. from.
0: Well, I mean, it could be fun. It could be a change yep. that we've been needing, kind of like the XFL did. But so, for what we're going to do for episode 15, is we're going to finally start looking at the divisions and the conferences. Um, we figured today for episode 15, we're going to go to the AFC. We're going to highlight two conferences, do two conf- or divisions, I mean, do, do two divisions an episode. Today is the AFC South and the AFC North. Um, And I think we should just start by kind of going through what happened last year with these two respective divisions. AFC South, as you know, you have the Texans, Titans, Colts, and Jags. So last year, Texans 10-6, and they were your division leaders. Um, Very interesting first-round playoff game against the Bills. Had a comeback, took the Bills out of the playoffs. But then, as you know, they lost second round um, to the Chiefs in in a good game.
1: Absolutely. Completely blew it up 21, 28 points, whatever it was. And then just absolutely gave it away. And again, we'll talk more about their season, last season, and the upcoming season as we go forward. Yep.
0: Then the Titans came in second with nine and seven, kind of over... a
1: surprising second yeah. half of the season. Absolutely
0: best team second half of the season in the NFL actually. Nine and seven uh, made the wild card, and then you, we saw that great run they had there in the playoffs. Uh, Indianapolis Colts seven and nine actually last year, which I kind of thought it was a worse season well, than and that, and so that was pretty
1: surprising to and me. And if you're a Colts fan, as we'll talk about coming up you're a Colts fan it started off in I mean dire need a quarterback after Andrew Luck's surprise retirement yep. so to be able to salvage what they did you hope they can build off an upcoming season yep
0: and then Jaguars coming in at six and ten not a whole lot to talk about there but we'll, we will touch on them a little bit and so you have your AFC Well, oh, we'll just stick with the AFC South we'll, yep. we'll, we'll go through the divisions there so how I look at it going forward I think there's going to be a change at the top I think you know last year Texans came in the, the winner or the division the, the leaders, but we saw a lot of change up there this year, in the Texans. So why don't we start at the bottom? Who, what are you thinking for for the bottom here at the
1: AFC, AFC South this year? We're going to stay with the Jaguars, you think? Well, it's kind of the team like you talked about you didn't want to touch on right away, but it's going to be the Jaguars. They have all sorts of talent offensively. Uh, the chemistry may not be there. Uh, we don't know what Gardner Minshew is going to be. And so it's just really hard to put a lot of stock into a team that has some tough games coming up. I mean, they gotta play the Packers, they gotta play the Steelers, they play the Titans twice, the Texans twice. And so it's just really hard to find spots in there where you can mark wins on the schedule.
0: Well, and, and for me, everybody knows my hatred for Doug Marone. And I just think like they're they're a not well run organization. Minshew, I'm excited to see what he can do. Leonard Fournette, there's tension right now within the organization with the Yannick and Gokwe wanting to get traded with Leonard Fournette wanting a new deal or wanting out. But we saw the emergence of DJ Chark last year. We see a good draft um, that that landed some wide receivers there, offensive lines improving, and they're kind of revamping a defense. But you're talking about a young team in a transition period with some contention, and to me, I just don't know how that's going to work And what you
1: mentioned with the defense – the Jaguars were always led by that defense, and it kind of fell apart with Jalen Ramsey leaving. You see Miles Jack throwing temper tantrums on the field. Yep. And so the chemistry and the the culture in general is just really poor in Jacksonville right now. So whether it means – and it's hard to think about this right now as the coronavirus, but whether they get moved to a different city as it's been discussed to yep. London, or they bring in a new coach, which is expected this coming next year.
0: Yeah. So for me, I, and I agree, I think we have the Jaguars coming in at the bottom of the AFC South. And I think, you know, we're projecting somewhere four wins, three yeah. wins maybe. And
1: a contender for Trevor Lawrence or Justin yeah. Fields come next year. Yeah,
0: I think 3-13 and 13 is probably what we're going to peg in for the Jaguars. They're going next season or this upcoming season. And like you said, the big thing is going forward, what quarterback are they potentially going to land? Gardner Minshew is a fun experiment. Yes, it could go really well next year or he could show glimpses of being a good quarterback. But with what next year's quarterback class looks like, I don't know how they don't come away with one of the top guys. Agreed. All right, coming then in at number two or the, the second to last in that division. I'm going to say it's the Texans. Okay. I don't know where you're feeling on on you know. Well, oh, you know my 10s, feeling on the
1: Texans. On the Texans, so. I'm
0: surprised you didn't put them below the Jaguars <laughs> to be honest. But I really do think you're going to see a slide here again. Texans last year, ten and six, division leaders. You know
1: we're a, a, just a few bad plays away from from going on in, uh, to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, and I'm not going to hop on Watson and bash him, but you lose DeAndre Hopkins, his number one receiver, so you're already taken away from that offense. I mean, you got a coach who doesn't really know what's going on game in game out, and so I think it's just really hard to put them with a tougher schedule in a position where they can be the one or two seed in the AFC South, which is kind of emerging. Yeah, I completely agree. The people
0: you lost, obviously De'Andre Hopkins being the biggest one, an offensive line that really hasn't been improved much through the offseason, and then a defense that's really already in shambles already just speaks to me on how how bad this, this could be. And I want to bring up the beginning of the schedule to you. Your first games are against the Chiefs in prime time, first game of the season, then against the Ravens, Steelers, vikings and then two straight division games before the packers yeah
1: so you're looking potentially at zero and four to start the season absolutely and what happens uh with the coach if they start off like that do they fire him hire an assistant coach to finish out the season i just really think that team's going to be shaky especially with the start that they're looking at
0: yeah i'm going to say a seven and nine season below 500 for them and that's why we have them coming in second to last i will say however and i, I don't have a lot of hope in this but if they were to come out hot and win some of these early games. The schedule does open up for him, um, and obviously they would have taken down some of the top teams in the NFL,
1: but I'm thinking it's going to be the reverse and a potential for kind of a disaster year. It'll all depend on if they can protect their quarterback. Their offensive line's been notoriously bad. Now you lose his go-to weapon, so I think he's going to be scrambling for his life and the first four games aren't good to start with. David
0: Johnson's going to have to be MVP (laughs) if that team's going to go very far. So then it comes in, second team in that division. This was a tough one for me. I, th- I want to say the Indianapolis Colts could take an even bigger step and become division leaders this year, but I just have some hesitation about Phillip Rivers there. What you are your thoughts on the Colts?
1: Well, I'm the opposite. I like Phillip Rivers there. I mean, I think with the coach, they're going to mesh well together. He's done well with veteran quarterbacks in the past. Yep. They know each other. I think they're doing better through the draft at building weapons around them. they got a good young defense, and again, in a not-notorious-great division. Sure. And Andrew Luck not long ago, I mean, with a bad offensive line, was still run the division. And now that line's solid or solid. And so I, I think they have a chance to win the division, but I'm kind of sitting at number two with them.
0: Yeah, and I mean the addition of Jonathan Taylor gives a run game that's going to be formidable. Yeah, offensive line might be the best, one of the best in the league. You're just they brought in what Michael Pittman Jr. in the draft, as you mentioned. It just I really do like the direction the team's going. I just think you're going to see. Uh, I temper expectations on Phillip Rivers just because um, they're going to they have to run the ball for him to be successful. And Philip
1: Rivers' issue has always been he's been rushed and he makes bad decisions. Now you have possibly the best offensive line in football. His arm isn't as strong as it used to be, but now you have the time to make some better decisions with it.
0: Yeah, and I'm really excited because this is one of those teams where they could be one of the most improved teams next year. They could be a, an 11-win team and challenge for this top spot. And in in, like you said, a kind of a poor division. I want to touch on last season for you on the Colts. Were you surprised with a 7-9 and nine finish?
1: I was. Uh, their record could have been a lot higher. Jacoby Brissett just couldn't push the ball in the fourth quarter. They lost a lot of close games where they looked like they were going to be in control and win it. But Brissett just couldn't take the step above. He's, he's clearly a good backup quarterback in situations where he's needed, but he's not a full-time starter. Now, I
0: hate to do hypotheticals, but it's hard to talk about the Colts and not bring up Andrew Luck being there. Let's say that their current roster is is as is, except Andrew Luck had never retired. Do you think they're an absolute contender with Andrew Luck there?
1: Yeah. Yep. I think that they're a contender in the AFC. I mean, you look at the Ravens, though, and what they have. The, the, AFC, and... yep, the AFC is just getting stronger. So for Andrew Luck to bow out while Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, them are all rising, I understand it, especially with your health. But. I think that he could have been a contender and maybe got him deep and an AFC championship push.
0: Yeah, I really do think with their current roster situation or setup and then the, the management, the coaching, that team was destined for something great, which is why if we can just get above average Phillip Rivers, they should be a playoff team, especially if the format, format change has changed at all. And if
1: you want a guy that could have led against the Mahomes to really get the ball down the field, Andrew Luck would have been the guy that could have kept up with them point for point, depending on what their weapons were. And we'll talk about this in future fantasy episodes, but I really do feel like Phillip Rivers is kind of that underdog fantasy. Uh, He gets a lot of yards. His knock's always been interceptions. He got a good line now. So is he going to be able to have those 350-yard games with two or three touchdowns and no picks now instead of matching pick for pick?
0: This division itself is such an anomaly because like you'll have games. that's just three to seven, you know, just for whatever reason, this division's a hard one to gauge for fantasy purposes, but just in general, it's one of those divisions. They kind of beat the heck out of each other and they're not usually that great, but yeah, enough on the Colts. We'll move on to who we think is going to be the division winners this year. Um, And it took some, some debating back and forth, but we're going to say the Tennessee Titans. Um, I have them somewhere in that 11 to five, 12 and four range. Um, depending on if they can kind of continue that hot streak they were on at the end of last year, I think if they're running it back, they re-signed Tannehill in the off-season. Obviously, if Derek Henry's deal just got done in the last week or so, I think they're they're going to run it back as much as they can. They had a good draft, in my opinion.
1: Your thoughts on the Titans? Well, you always worry about these teams because they get on a hot streak and then in an off-season do they cool off and refine what they had going? I think the chemistry and culture is so good there. That they're kind of developing like a mini Patriots type organization, obviously Makes with their sense, coach yeah. being from there. I I like Derek Henry signing. It's just it's so hard to let a guy go like that and replace him. Tannehill, I've always liked. Injuries have always been the problem. If you can keep him healthy, and I think the one guy to watch on that team, and I think he'll be a top three wide receiver in a couple of years, is AJ Brown. I once he gets the ball in his hands, he's explosive. And he's he seems to always be healthy, whether it's college, NFL, and so I just really think he's going to take that offense to the next level, what they've been missing.
0: Well, you mentioned wide receivers; it's a good segue because I was going to just ask you which wide receiver core would you rather have next year: the Colts wide receiver core or the Titans wide receiver core? I guess throw the Jags in there too because they were an emerging wide receiver core.
1: With a quarterback, I would take the Jaguars just because they're so athletic. The Titan or the Colts is yet to be seen. I mean, they got T.Y. Hilton. He's obviously a great – he'll do great with Philip Rivers older, there. But, Look yeah. at the Chargers wide receivers over the years. But with Pittman there and the other wide receivers they're bringing in, it's just yet to be seen what there's going to be. But I do like A.J. Brown with the Titans, and I really do think he's going to be a superstar.
0: I do too. I think he with, – with DeAndre Hopkins out of that division now, I think A.J. Brown you'll see this year be the best wide receiver in the AFC South. And, and,
1: and the question is with the Titans is what happens with Corey Davis? I mean, you've been a fan with him. He was taken really high in the draft. Does he elevate his game with A.J. Brown, or is it time for the Titans to move on and find a new new number two?
0: Absolutely. I think, and if we go through this too, another question I wanted to pose best defense in that division? Okay, you have the Titans who last year were in a lot of close games that defense, a lot of turnovers and sacks. You have the Colts, young defense. Uh, Texans, we know they've been kind of in shambles lately. And then the Jaguars, who most years you would say the Jaguars. I'm Who'd
1: actually, you take? I'm actually going to be surprising and say the Colts here. Yep. I just like their youth. They got a lot of speed. The problem is last year they were on the field all the time. Yeah, it's like it's like the Vikings defenses back in the day. I mean, they were always on the field because the offense just couldn't push the ball. I love the Titans, but I just I can't go with them over the youth of the Colts. Yeah,
0: and I agree. Colts kind of have the defense that you want in the modern NFL. A very fast Versatile defense players playing multiple positions but have an ability to get around the field. Um, yeah, very interesting, but yeah, we're gonna go with the Tennessee Titans now. Do you think they can continue this run that they were on last year? Do you think they can come out hot and start the season? Um, I think they, they start the season at the Broncos, so you, you have a game there against a young team, so maybe this more experienced Titans team could take advantage of that, and then you have go against the Jaguars, they could come out 2 0 and get that starting. Followed up, though by Vikings and Steelers and Bills
1: and Texans four-run stretch. Yeah, and I, I do think they could be a team that, if they start off hot, could be a 5-6 win team to get going the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them at the top of the AFC come midpoint of the year. I think they all play for each other and play for the coach. And so I think that really separates them from maybe what the Colts are doing and some other teams in the AFC.
0: And then the real question, their success is going to boil down to this. Ryan Tannehill. Do you think Ryan Tannehill deserves the money that he got and that was the right choice to make over like a Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers? And do you think that he could end the season as the top quarterback in that division?
1: And and I do. I think I think he has the potential to be a top five, six, seven quarterback in the league. Wow. I, I think he's a better Kirk Cousins. He can push the ball and he just doesn't make bad decisions. I mean, if he's got to slide, if he's got to throw it out of bounds, he does those things. It doesn't push the issue. Where it really lands on me is derrick henry he's not super young he's not old by any means but how does it play out in the season if he's planning on carrying the ball as many times as he's been forced to in the past does he get an injury does anything like that happen you don't hope that on anybody by any means but it's realistic at running backs for it to wear on them eventually if
0: you look historically running backs coming into his age group right now start to taper off within a year or so and for how much he's been run it's definitely a fair question Now, my last question about this division, would you say the Titans are a team closer to reaching
1: a Super Bowl or losing in the first round? Um, I think the Titans are closer to winning a Super Bowl. You kind of saw it last year. They hung with the Chiefs there for a while. Uh, They have the defense that can stop teams on any given day. The problem is, is offensively, can they always keep up with that? They're dependent on Derrick Henry and controlling the game by running the ball. And if that goes away, or if it's not as good as it's been in years past, then that offense really starts to sputter. Well,
0: and you just made the point there that I was going to make, that controlling the game and setting up the play action to help Brian Tannehill is what made that team successful last year. And if they can continue that, if they can run that back, then I do think the Titans, like you said, are closer to a a world champion than a first-round loss. To tackle the AFC North, we figured we'd go in the same order we did the AFC South. We'd start at the bottom. um, And – coming into the bottom this last season was the number one overall pick Cincinnati Bengals coming in at two and 14. We know how that played out. They get Joe Burrow, hopefully the savior of that city. Um, But yeah, two and 14, a season to forget. Um, And then the Browns come in at six and 10, which high expectations going into last season. We'll get into that more, but six and 10 Cleveland Browns team, then an eight and eight Steelers team, which is one of the more interesting teams I want to talk about um, for this upcoming season. And then you had the 14 and two, uh, Baltimore Ravens, which we know how they, they burned out in the divisional round um, after having the first round by is the best team in football. Um, but really, AFC North as a whole, I just think of it as a, a division of, of opposites. Normally, there's always two teams at the top, two teams at the way bottom, and they tend to be the same teams year after year. You have your Browns and Bengals always holding down the bottom. And then it just year after year, two really, really well-run fran- well franchises in the Ravens and the Steelers going to the top. Um, Do you have some general thoughts on the AFC North, whether last year or just some general thoughts going forward about the division?
1: Well, it's very top-heavy. I mean, you see the top two teams normally have double-digit wins, both in the playoffs. Uh, The bottom two teams really can't compete with the top two, and I don't think this year is going to be any different.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel with the AFC North. And so we want to start with who we think the bottom team will be going into the upcoming 2020 season, and it's not a stretch to believe that although Joe Burrow comes into that franchise, might not win them many more games. We have not pegged somewhere around three and thirteen. Maybe if you're lucky and get some magic from Joe Burrow four and twelve. But give me your thoughts, Cincinnati coming in at the bottom. There's just to me, there's just too much still on that team to work with. And Joe Burrow, you're gonna see a roller coaster of the year. Some moments where you say, yep, this guy is franchise guy. And then there's other times where it's like, yep, he needed more time in the pocket or needed, you know, Whoa, a what's really, step up. What's
1: really killing Joe Burrow this year is not having an offseason to this point. Yep. Not having preseason games. And so you're throwing him game one, which he's shown the ability in college football, everything else to handle those, but the NFL is a whole different animal. I'm gonna beat the dead horse on Zach Taylor, not an NFL coach (laughs) as we've talked about. And I honestly think the Bengals probably end up as the number one or the number one draft pick come the twenty twenty one draft. They're probably in a trade back position where they can get some more assets. I do like the direction they're going as an organization with who they brought in with Joe Burrow. They had, we thought, a very good draft, but I just don't see it this year, especially with the coaching staff they have. So that's interesting. You said you think they're the team that
0: will end with the number one pick when we have teams like Jaguars, Redskins. Um, we'll talk about them in upcoming episodes. The Panthers, um, and then, yeah, the aforementioned Bengals. So out of those teams, you think Bengals probably have the best odds just because of – there was a reason why they were 2-14 and 14 last year. Burrow, we think, only might win them one game, so that's, that's fair.
1: Yeah, and I, the reason for it is I don't like their offensive line, and Joe Burrow has no experience in the NFL, won't have any experience before week one, and so it's really hard to put a quarterback in that position. Joe Burrow's going to throw a lot of interceptions this year, in my opinion. I think in a keeper league, you take him. And then you hope year two and three work out depending sure. on who they bring in for a coach because there will be good coaches that want to work with this guy. And so I think it's just getting through this year, getting another good player in the draft, and then hoping to build as the Steelers get older and then hope to be that number two team in that division.
0: Now, I, I got to thinking about the the Bengals a little bit. If you are in the draft, you get the number one pick, right? And Trevor Lawrence is the the, the chosen one, the one that should be picked for whoever has the number one pick. Now, you said trading back, and that makes a ton of sense. What are you looking for if you're the Bengals? I know we're we're seeing another really, really good wide receiver class with his boy, Jamar Chase. You're seeing a really, really good offensive line class. This class, again, we've mentioned in other episodes, is going to mirror this last year's class. And then you also have guys like Rousseau out of Miami who are like the Chase Young generational pass rushers. Which direction would you go if you're the Bengals still coming in at the last or the number one? I think
1: you have to take an offensive lineman just because – Most of the time when they're drafted that high, they're the players that are going to be the least to bust in the NFL. I think Chase is going to be a very good wide receiver. And if you could get him there for Burrow where he's comfortable with him, you see that where like the Chiefs, they bring in more speed, more speed, more speed, more speed. And so I think that's the way the NFL is going is not necessarily let's protect this guy, but how can we get the ball out of his his hands hands faster? faster. And so I think that's the direction they probably go as receiver, but I'd like to see him take a tackle. We'll talk about that next year when the time comes, but I really see the Bengals being in a position to move back at number one.
0: And it's just interesting. I just looked at the start of the season. You have a Chargers game and a Browns game. Now we'll talk about the Browns coming here. So that's an interesting game where maybe you could pull a win. And then you have the Chargers, who, with the loss of Philip Rivers, you know the, they're going to be starting Tyrod Taylor, but a team that is in a bit of a transition. Um, just two games that will be f- interesting to watch the Bengals play there. Now, coming in second to last for us, it's a team that I wanted to keep pushing down even more because I'm not very excited for the Cleveland Browns this year. I have them going six and ten, which I felt was generous, which is just repeating what they did last year. Because personally, and you can you can uh, you can argue this. I don't think they got much better this offseason. Yes, bringing in um, offensive line in the draft, drafting early to do that with Jedrick Wills was a great pickup. I'm not going to knock that. Um, and then they bring in Jack Conklin on the offensive line. Big improvements there, but Austin Hooper I don't think does a ton for you. And then you didn't really invest a ton in the defense yet. It looks like they're going to be signing Myles, uh Garrett to a big extension. Um, but for me, they didn't do enough for me to think that they're already a, an 8-8 eight eight team or playoff team, like everybody said last
1: year. You know, they, they paid really rich for Austin Hooper, who historically hasn't been a number one tight end in the league compared to, I mean, other tight ends that have been out there. I think Baker Mayfield, this is his final year in Cleveland. I think the experiments done there, I, I, I'm wholeheartedly agree that he's a one read receiver and it worked out in college and you can't take anything away from him. What he did in college, he was an all time great quarterback in that realm, but it's the NFL. Now he can't compete there. He's shown it after his rookie year that, I mean, regardless of what the line has done for him, he's just not seeing open receivers. Odell's been open. Landry's been open and he's not getting the ball to those guys. And so I just think it's going to be time to search for a new quarterback when it comes. And luckily for the Browns, it's a quarterback-heavy draft next year. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts on Kevin Stefanski coming in? I mean, he's had some success in offensive coordinator. I know he's really well-regarded around the league. Your thoughts on Stefanski coming in as a first-year as coach? an
1: offensive guy? I think he'll do fine. Play calling, things like that. What's going What's going to yet to be seen is can he handle all the egos there? Because it very much is that way. And the Browns try to push it off as, oh, we're all all one, we're all one. But you're going to see an Odell blow up this year if he's not getting touches. You're going to see Baker frustrated and yelling if he's not playing up to par. And so I think this is really when the powder keg is going to blow up because everybody's kind of at the end of going separate ways this year it's really a make or break year
0: i agree completely you you nailed it there when you said how's he going to deal with egos you know he's not a veteran head coach i thought the best move they could have done is bring in a an offensive mind that's been a veteran around the league like a jim caldwell type who's managed teams before but is also a a, a forward-thinking offensive coach but we'll just have to see again i'm not super excited about the browns i think finally though people around the league are also tempering expectations i mean last year People thought this was a team going to make a deep playoff run, and that was always just outrageous. And
1: I'll say this about the Browns is they're the, they're the team with the most players that are on social media vocal about everything going on and not, not in our current climate, but before that for years ahead. I think they have a really hard time focusing on what's going on, how are we going to win, and they're focused on their big picture, their endorsements, everything else going on, and the teams that are successful are focused on the field. And that just doesn't seem to be the case with the Browns at times. And I know I ripped on Baker Mayfield. I do think he can be a quarterback in the NFL. I don't think it's going to be with moving coaches. He's going to need a coach that can teach him how to read defenses. Because he's really not able to read the defense. And and as I mentioned, go look at tape. It's that way where Odell Beckham's wide open over the middle, 30 yards down, and he throws a check down because he doesn't see it. So he's got to see the field better, and nobody can argue that.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I completely agree. We'll move on to the team here that I want to talk that I'm really interested in this year, and that would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I thought the Steelers kind of outplayed themselves last year or played above what they were supposed to be um, by going eight and eight last year. I thought that, you know, with losing Ben Roethlisberger, going through multiple quarterbacks, you know, you had Mason Rudolph, you had Duck Hodges, getting hit you had, in the head. yeah, you know, assaulted by uh, Miles Garrett. And then, you know, running backs were hurt. James Conner was hurt throughout the season. You lose Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels. You, the loss of Antonio Brown, you had Juju emerging to try to be a number one guy, but that defense is spectacular. Give me your thoughts.
1: Well, and I'll let you talk more on this is Ben Roethlisberger coming back at his age. Is he able to lift the Steelers in your opinion, like he has in the past? Does he still have it in him to do that?
0: I really do think so. I think we were talking Philip rivers earlier and I think this is where the, my split is a little bit. I have more faith in what Ben Roethlisberger can do coming back from this injury. As long as he's healthy, if we have both a healthy Philip Rivers and a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, I would take Ben Roethlisberger because that guy still, I mean, he always had tremendous arm strength. And yes, it's gone down a bit, but it's still, he's got tremendous arm strength. An, a, like like Philip Rivers, a fantastic offensive line in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I I really like their emerging receivers, which I'll talk about here in a bit. Yeah,
1: and we talk about their defense, and we have no gripes against it. They're moving in the right direction. I mean, they're a fast and hard-hitting defense, just like the Steelers are known for. I'm going to throw my gripe out here, and I'm going to have a lot of people that disagree. Juju Smith-Schuster is not a number one receiver. You see it with Antonio Brown gone. He's really not able to separate when he gets double-covered, and – That's what's really going to hurt the Steelers. You have Chase Claypool, I know you're a fan of, doesn't turn into a number one or a very good number two because he can't create separation like an Odell, like Devontae Adams, you know, like Tyreek Michael Thomas. And he's just not on that level. He likes to think he is. The Steelers fans like to think he is. But he's a glorified number two, and it's been shown since Antonio Brown has been gone.
0: Yeah, we we don't dislike Juju. Very good player. We just absolutely think and I I'm, I'm with you 100% that he is not your prototypical number 1 guy and he can't be you can't lean on him to do what Michael Thomas did last year for the Saints or what Devontae Adams has done year after year for the Packers. And I think and I'll tell talk about it now. I thought the drafting of Chase Claypool out of North, 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 Notre Dame, sorry, was indicative of that. I think they drafted him, they'd had limited assets in the draft Number one pick for their first pick, which was a second Second round round. pick, was Chase Claypool, a guy that they had met with once and said, this is our guy. You know, big guy we talked about has kind of your Calvin Johnson measurables and speed and strength. And I think they got him to be able to take attention from the defense and then let Juju free up as a number two guy. The emergence of Deontay Johnson last year showing another number two type number three guy. And then we can't undervalue the addition of Eric Ebron, who I think is going to have uh, a great season next year. Um, and, and be
1: a big emergency. And, emergence and I'm going to say this about Juju is I can pair him, and they're two different players, but to Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's a great player when Stephon Diggs was on comparison. the field, when, the field or when Dalvin Cook was running hard, and that's what Juju is like when Antonio Brown was there and the run game was running. The second that Diggs is out for a game hurt, Thielen really starts to struggle just because he's double-covered, all the attention's on him, and that's the same way that's happened. And it, it's tough with those receivers in the NFL – It's a whole different kind of level, but you see the Michael Thomases. You see the Devontae Adams, Tyree Kills really elevate their games, and maybe Juju can because we forget how young he is. So maybe in these couple years he really shows that I can elevate and I can separate, but it's yet to be seen that he's a true number one.
0: And my only defense will be he was doing it with guys like Rudolph and with Hodges and not with Big Ben. But, yes, I mean, by midseason next year, if Big Ben's healthy, you'll know. I mean, there's no question that if it happens again – he, he, is, he is a glorified definition number two wide receiver. Now, this pushes us to the team that's, who we're pegging to win. We had the, the Steelers who are at about 10-6 and six next year, a team that should make the playoff playoffs. But the Baltimore Ravens, we both want to temper expectations. We want to say they should come down from their 14-2 and two pedestal. But it's hard when you look at their schedule. When you start going through a schedule that is listed as one of the easiest in the league how it's hard not to give them wins. We, we've talked about it, how the Ravens are a team that are going to be very good every regular season. They're flashy, they're fast, they're hard to defend. But when it comes down to maybe crunch time in the playoffs, are we going to see a team that year in and year out are going to, to fall under pressure?
1: Yeah, I agree. Again, Ravens are going to put on a highlight reel. They're going to fly all over the field. You're going to watch them on ESPN and all these other shows and go, wow, I mean, we've never seen a quarterback like this besides Michael Vick. Yep. Well, Michael Vick didn't win things either. And I I have the Chiefs ahead of them. I have the Titans ahead of them in the AFC. So even though they'll have the best record in the AFC, I think they could possibly get beat in the divisional round just like they did last year. So between these two teams here of the Ravens and Steelers, which team do you think makes it further in a playoff run? Sure, and quickly, I'll, I'll even mention if
0: Cam is is any sort of Cam, I think the Patriots are ahead of them I, as I well. I agree too. Yeah, I think that's a really good int- or an interesting question to pose between the Ravens and the Steelers. I think, as you mentioned, regular season based off their schedules, I think the Ravens will be the higher seed come end of the season. We have them at 13-3, and three, losing one last game or winning one last game. But I will put money down that the Steelers will have a deeper run I wouldn't put money back
1: down. Let's put a put your name on. Let's it.
0: put a shotgun on it. we'll we'll we'll, we'll crack a beer um, if it doesn't happen. but I think the Steelers will have a deeper playoff run next year than the Baltimore Ravens and a large part of that has to do with the experience of Ben Roethlisberger. And of course, it's all contingent on that if he's back to any sort of him nor his normal self. Well and but that's that's how I'm looking at the Steelers. a defense. Both defenses are great. Both run games are pretty good. If James Conner can can show out, I think the 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 ability of Mike Tomlin, of Ben Roethlisberger in big games, I think it will drive them further in the playoffs.
1: And it will be interesting to see how Lamar Jackson throws this year, obviously a week's schedule, how Hollywood Brown does in another year. I mean, it could get electric there, unstoppable like the Chiefs, but Lamar Jackson isn't Patrick Mahomes. And you're going to see that sort of money for him just because of the show he puts on. But I would not be surprised if the Ravens lose both games to the Steelers this year. The Steelers defense is good enough that they can compete with them. So whatever happens with Roth- Roethlisberger and that offense, yep. but it would not surprise me at all, especially with a weak schedule to run into a team like the Steelers. They play the Cowboys to run into a team that can hang with them offensively yep. and then fall off. That's what happened last year deep in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. If they're going the Ravens aren't a team that are going to be able to chase you at all. So if you can get up 10 points, they're going to they're going to struggle trying to come back and win games.
1: If they can't feed Mark Ingram the ball and then run a like triple option, be able to do an RPO, things like that to really get Lamar Jackson moving, then they're in trouble. I think Lamar Jackson could win an MVP again this year. Absolutely. I mean, he there's nothing against the guy. He's an absolute phenom. But when it comes down to having to throw the ball and pick apart defenses, when you have linebackers like the Steelers that can cover you, you see what happens last year. They get beat with high expectations.
0: Absolutely. I don't disagree with anything you said there. I just I just want to point out, I mean, the, the Ravens could absolutely take that next step and be a team that's building a dynasty. There's, they're just as close to that as they are losing a first-round And game. when we
1: do our season picks where we pick our Super Bowl competitors for the year, don't be surprised if one of us has the Ravens in there. They absolutely have that kind of team. They have the coach that's been there and done that. But right now, just for our sake – We see the Steelers maybe going a little further in the playoffs than the Ravens just based on experience.
0: They're just a a little bit of a sleeper team for me, the Steelers are. I think people forget what Ben Roethlisberger was and kind of what that team is currently going 8-8 and without him. And
1: my question is for Roethlisberger is being injured, how much have you been throwing? Because he's not a guy that works out a lot, notorious for it. So during this whole coronavirus thing where you're you're responsible for yourself – has he put on weight? Sure. Has he been working out? Has he been throwing? It's a lot to be seen there, but I do like when Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger are together.
0: Yep, and I think that wraps it up for us on the AFC North. That's our division rankings. Um, not a lot of change, but a little change up at the top with uh, the AFC South anyways, with the Titans being our division leader. But to finish the episode, we you know we were seeing in the news the Eagles resigning Jason Peters. We saw, obviously, Derek Henry getting his deal. Cam to the Patriots. Cam to the Patriots, and then we saw – Um, just that Antonio Brown retired, that he is again, announcing retirement from the NFL that got us thinking like, what are the other free agents out there right now? I know we talked about that in episodes past, but we're just going to go through kind of our top free agents that are there. I think we put down a list of eight of them and we just want to put your attention to some of these guys that are still out there that if your team needs them, just look at their names. They're out there. It could be a pretty good deal for them. And to start our number eight guy was Eric Reed. Now a guy that's obviously been having some controversy in the media over his career, but a guy who is on the football field, he's a valuable asset to a team in the secondary as a safety.
1: Yeah, and the big thing about him is did he get blackballed or not with the whole Kaepernick thing? Again, you can't take anything away from him when he is on the field. Obviously, he was with the Panthers here. You thought maybe that would be a team that would fit him. Mm -hmm. But since Cam's kind of moved on, the culture's changed a little bit. It's kind of time for him to move on. So where do you see him best fits? I
0: think, you know, obviously secondary needy teams – and we were just talking about the AFC South. And I think two teams there, the Jaguars and the Titans. Jaguars can always use Texans, a safety. maybe? Uh, sorry, the Texans. Yep, Texans getting their defense and their secondary depleted. I think your Texans and your Jaguars could really use a guy. And we forget, he's 28 years old coming off a, a, a guy has played on teams that have been to the Super Bowls. And I just think he'd be a good addition to a team. And
1: wherever he goes, it's going to be a one year deal. Mm -hmm. And these are both teams that are kind of on the verge of rebuilding. So I think he comes in there, solidifies the back end where that's really needy. But it's probably a one year deal. And he's looking for a team again next year. Yep.
0: And our number seven guy is another secondary player. The opposite of this is he's older. You know, he's going to be 32, or he is 32. He's had injuries. That's Rashad Jones, Mm -hmm. defensive back out of. Miami or had played in Miami his entire career. Now, this is a guy I loved. I just always wanted the Eagles to trade for him these last few years because he's a veteran on the team. He's a leader always and he's a great ball player. He's just 32 years old. So you're talking a one year deal. Yeah. And the
1: teams come in and they, uh, or the Dolphins come in and they bring all new cornerbacks in. They brought a ton of them in. This is a guy with a lot of experience. And so if you're a team that's kind of looking for a veteran guy to help teach younger guys, then this is probably the best. And in my opinion, the best fits are Washington. We're not going to say the team name because of what's going on. But the Indianapolis Colts, too. You're young teams. You're going to bring in a veteran, and he's going to help make that secondary better.
0: Yeah, I like that Washington pick a lot because I I was going through the depth chart just the other day, and I noticed there's there's kind of a hole in the secondary there. You have Landon Collins, and a guy like Rashad Jones could really slide in there well, have a veteran secondary. But the Colts, like you mentioned, a guy next to Malik Hooker maybe, Mm -hmm. or to teach Malik Hooker and help this young team, I really like the fit there at the Colts. Now the next one is uh, offensive linemen, and I know you can never have too many good players up there on your offensive line. And this was kind of surprising of a cut for me. The Saints had cut Larry Wofford, uh, the right guard there at the Saints, um, and he just year in and year out has been one of the better right guards in the league. He's turning 29. He's right in the middle of his prime. And I guess because of the drafting of Cesar Ruiz, who we both really loved, who I was a big advocate for out of Michigan, it forced them to move
1: uh, Larry Watford out and save some money. Yeah. And not only does it surprise me cut, but it surprises me that he hasn't been signed yet. Yes. I mean, obviously there's a lot going on with this coronavirus and not sure bringing people in. But if your teams that we've talked about, we talked about the Bengals, a team that really needs to solidify their line for a young quarterback. He's going to be a guy that brings experience.
0: Well, and I'm going to bring up the Texans again, too, because we mentioned a team who needs to protect a quarterback. I think going – I think, yeah, Texans fit, Bengals fit would be really good for him. I saw Jason Peters. You know, these two were kind of compared about on offensive line. Jason Peters got a one-year, about $5 million deal. So, I'm thinking about $7 million a
1: year for Larry Walker. Yeah, and I'll let you go on a tangent with the next, next guy because I know you love him, and it's Logan Ryan. Yeah,
0: I do. I have a lot of respect
1: for Logan Ryan, a guy
0: who everywhere he's gone, whether it's the Patriots organization or Tennessee – has always been on the field he's he, he and when he's out there he's a competitor he's reliable and we saw last year being able to intercept passes and run him in for touchdowns to take down teams when they went on when the titans went on their
1: run and, and he was really upset that the titans didn't resign him he thought he did enough to earn a big deal and so it was time for the titans to move on who had to make tough decisions with Tannehill and with derrick henry and i've talked about it a lot and one of the things i appreciate the most in the nfl or that
0: i i, I love out of players the most are those that are versatile and he was an outside cornerback his entire career, even has played some safety, some free safety. But what he's done late in his career is become one of the better, or in my opinion, better veteran free slot safety or slot corners in the league. At twenty nine years old, I could still see he's probably only gonna get a one year deal. But I think you if a team does it right, like a team like Washington we talked about, could maybe get themselves a good veteran corner for three
1: years. Yeah. And the other team is the Dolphins. I mean not really sure on his fit there just because of all the corners they brought in, but he'd fit in the slot there, being versatile. Like you said, if there's any injuries, he's able to slide in and help. So, a good veteran pickup wherever he goes. To me, he seems like one of those players that will wait it out, knowing he's got a couple years left. He can wait
0: it out for the right fit just so that he can get those three years or so, you know, find a team who maybe has an injury and then slot himself in. You know, and this list continues of cornerbacks, Darquez Dinard um, out of Cincinnati, who was a pretty high draft pick, it was a first-round pick that went there and, you know, had a deal in place with the Jaguars, mm-hmm. and it fell through. And so you're talking about a 28-year-old who was a first-round pick, um, and he, he's been a good slot player for, for the Bengals for years. I'm kind of shocked he's not signed. Do you have any teams you think would fit for him?
1: Well, the team that I think he could go to is the Panthers, just because they're really rebuilding that defense. Sure. So, again, you're bringing a guy in that's a veteran at 28 years old, and he's going to help all these other young guys you're bringing in. They've lost leadership on that defense with retirements and Keekly. And so I think he'd be a good fit there. Another one would be the Tampa Bay Bucks. They have a good defense. Their secondary is a little shaky at times. And I know they've, they've put in heavy on cornerback, but I think he'd be a good pickup.
0: Now the next guy, when we're talking an older player, we're talking Cameron Wake, 38 years old, who I know he's talked about retiring, but he's a guy that he's great for the locker room. And he's still productive. I mean, he was very good even in the nine games he played last year for the Titans, the pressures he got. I mean, that's just something. And and the leadership he has and the teaching that he has for a team, he just feels like maybe a a Patriots player to me, a Patriots pickup, or maybe if the Vikings end up not getting Everson Griffin back, maybe going to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, and here's what I look at with him is a shortened season if they do or no preseason, that is what – veterans love to do yeah they don't like the grind in july and august and so you could see him jumping in talk about the patriots seems like a good edge rusher that knows what he's doing doesn't need a lot of coaching they could bring in day one go
0: even a team like the chiefs who just needed some yeah. some cheaper options to keep getting at the quarterback and the the defensive edge the edge rusher is gonna the trend's gonna continue our number two guy is everson griffin as i mentioned now we know everson griffin all the nfc north fans uh we know how disruptive he's been But at 32 years old, I still think he's got one or two really good years left in him or good years left in him. So what are your thoughts, Everson Griffin? Do you think he's going to return back
1: to Minnesota? Where do you think he's looking? Here's my concern with Griffin is mentally, where is he at? I mean, he's been all over the field. He He had his leave of absence for some mental issues. It just depends on what Everson Griffin you're getting. When he's healthy, undeniable talent. Again, is he a product, though, of a Minnesota defense? And Daniel Hunter and the rest of the defensive line there, I think he goes back to Minnesota just because I think I compare him to more of a little bit of a Dennis Rodman back in the day, where he needs that familiar familiarity yep. to comfort him and keep him in his mindset. So I think him leaving to another team who maybe like the Browns, who could really use a guy like that. I think he prefers the Vikings over there. Just because of the family feel,
0: I absolutely think, and I'd put some money on it, that he signs like a one-year lower deal and returns to the Minnesota Vikings, and then ends maybe after one more season, then he retires. Yeah, and I football. think
1: I think that Minnesota defense is on their last leg to begin with, and so I, I think it's his last go with them, and then sees what happens. Yep.
0: Now our number one guy, and he's not hard to imagine that Jadavian Clowney comes in at number one for us. I mean. The Seahawks bring him in last year, had an okay season, had some injury issues. Of course, I don't have any, I've got some ill will for him or ill feelings after taking Carson Wentz out of the playoffs. But interesting enough, I know the Eagles are interested. They've had talks with them. Obviously, I think Seattle probably still would like to bring him back. Um, What are your thoughts on Clowney? You know, still got a good age, going to be hitting his prime if he can
1: get in the right situation. A little bit of a dirty player, like you talk about. I don't think that he should be a number one end on a defense. He gets a lot of pressures, but he's not a big sack guy. He's more of a run defender. So if you're going to yep. pay what he wants, you've got to have the sacks. I think he goes back to Seattle just because I think with the craziness, he's not able to go out and visit with teams like he likes. I mean, the Browns have talked to him. The Eagles have talked to him.
0: Titans have talked you know, to him. So
1: there's been a ton of team interest. I think the deal is just so rich for teams that eventually he takes a little less and he stays where he's familiar with.
0: 100% agree. And that does it for us on episode 15. Let us know your thoughts. Obviously, stay active on the social. Please keep sending us recommendations and let us know what you guys want to hear. Um, we'll keep doing division breakdowns as we're getting for, or getting closer to the upcoming season. Stay positive, stay healthy, and as always, keep it sleazy, and we're out. Yeah,